today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. Following Jesus is not a magic tar- charm. We, we can, all of us, have the same attitude of these people where we see some benefit that Jesus provides people, whether it's hope, whether it's restored marriages, whether it's, you know, help breaking an addiction, whether it's a community of believers where you are loved and belong. We want those things, but we're not willing to submit our lives to Jesus. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky will be giving a warning today that it's not enough to just understand the power of Jesus, but that you need to be committed to Jesus. You can't rely on the faith of others. You need to be born again yourself. When your motive for coming to church or saying prayers is just for the benefits of God's power and blessing, instead of just wanting to intimately know the Lord, you're in danger. The Lord knows when you're being sincere in your worship to Him or if you just want His blessings. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 13, for our continuing study entitled, The Power and Person of Jesus. We see the benefits of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and we think, I want that. How do I get some of that? You know what I, I think I should do? I, I, should, I should get some, some prayers like, like some spiritual person I pray, that I know prays. Maybe get them to write down some prayers for me, and I could pray those and and then get some of those benefits. Or maybe there's a, a book that somebody read that I could read that book and get that benefit of a restored marriage and just kind of put that stuff to, about Jesus to the side or, or kind of make room a little bit in my life for Jesus. But God sees through that. He sees through that as clearly as my mom saw through me when I would want to stay over the night at at a friend's house. And I would begin about half an hour before I was about to make my request. I I would begin to be really nice. Okay, begin to say, you know, mom, is, is there anything I can do just around the house? I would love to help I know that I have not done a good job this past week in keeping my toys in order, Mom, but I want you to know that that's going to change. Um, Mom, you, if I ever told you that you are an outstanding mother, the food you make, Mom, is, is outstanding. I just want to thank you for that. Also, unrelatedly, can I stay the night with my friend David? You guys remember this? If you have kids, who has, who's ever seen a kid do this? See, the little, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that little thing going on. See, for us, we can think, oh, I want a benefit from this person, but, but I don't want the person necessarily themselves. So I'm going to do what I need to, what I can come up with to kind of get that benefit from them without really loving, following, obeying, and submitting myself to that person. You know, when, when you grow up in a re- religious home like I did, grow up as a Christian, you, you can be pretty un- unintentionally sacrilegious. And I think the low point of my whole, I was thinking about this week, the low point of my whole Christian life was probably 
um, playing risk with one of my friends. We'd play risk a lot. We got into a summer where we would play risk all the time. And it, does everyone know what risk is? It's that game where you have dice and you, you roll the dice and try to beat other armies and you want to stay out of Asia. Stay out of Asia. It's, it's hopeless in Asia if you've never played. But, but, you, but I remember my friend uh, Landon and I would, would play risk and... And so, I don't know what happened, but we, 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 we decided that in order to roll better, uh, we would begin to sing worship songs while we rolled the dice. <laughs> I know, is this horrible? I mean, I think, I, I can't believe I survived this. That the Lord did not just say, you know what? You and I are going to have some words up here. So I would be singing, you know, crown him with many crowns with my eye on Kamchatka. <laughs> and it's just, it's just ridiculous. Is it when you see it in kids? It's, it's funny. It's, it's obvious what they're trying to do. I have no doubt that the Lord just looked on me and immediately knew. I mean, I don't think he was confused. Is Ricky really sincere? in his worship of me right now, it's, it's obvious. <laughs> but you know what? When, when we become adults, we get more subtle at this. We, we find ways of, of fooling ourselves into thinking that there is, there's a way we can work this that's not as obvious. And, and, and you know, very seriously, I've, I've known guys who have, have come and said, you know what, I want to turn my life around. I want, to, I want to turn away from the things I was doing. I want, I, want to, I want to be sober. I want to restore my marriage. I want to have a restored relationship with my kids. And so they'll, they'll begin to do Christian things. They'll begin to go to church. They'll begin to, to pray. But, but what's revealed later is, is that all along what they wanted was the restored relationship with their kids or their restored marriage and not Jesus. They, they, they were... I mean, I think the best of my knowledge may be thinking that they could get both. They could still sort of retain the, the, the ownership and rulership of their lives and yet still get what they wanted from God. So they wanted the fruit of the Spirit, but they didn't want Jesus who gives the Spirit. So their commitment didn't last so if, if you've not submitted your life to Christ, let, let me just ask you a question. You know, do, do you want God to do something for you, or do you want God himself? Do you want Jesus' power, the benefits of knowing Jesus, or do you want Jesus himself? Are you trying to say prayers to Jesus when you haven't had your relationship to him restored? by placing your faith in him and submitting your life to him. And I would just urge you to, to really take that seriously because this is an ironic, humorous story, but it makes a serious point that God can't be fooled and you must put your faith in Christ and submit your life to Christ to ever receive the benefits of Christ. And it must be for Christ that you do it. And and look, if you're a Christian like me, we can all still fall into this. 
See, Jesus demands our whole lives. He demands us to take up our cross and follow him. And often we think, you know what? I can hold parts of my life back from being in submission to Jesus. I can hold this part of my life. I can submit some other stuff, enough stuff to kind of get God to give me what I want. But I'm not going to give him everything. I'm going to keep some of this back. I'm going to kind of work this out so that I get what I want from God without having to give up what I don't want to give up. And brothers and sisters, God sees through us. But, you ever wonder why this is in the Bible? It's in the Bible because God is making an appeal for us to pursue him to stop holding back sections of our lives, to stop trying to get the, his power without submitting to his person. And it's an invitation for us to submit our lives to him. Every time in the book of Acts, when we've seen somebody cry out to God, to Jesus for mercy, what's happened? God has given them mercy. He's showered them with mercy. Even when we were opposed to God, he showered us with mercy. So brother, sister, if, if God's revealing something in your life, know that God is working in you and he desires that part of your life, but he will provide the power for you to submit it to him. Now, let's move on to the last section of this passage. This has some important implications that build on what we've been talking about so far. Beginning in verse 21, I'm gonna read a lengthy section, but I think it's important for us to get this next section as well. Verse 21, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So he's still in Ephesus. And verse 23, about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades. And he said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia... This Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that the gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may become in, come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, pause there. Hit the pause button. We'll continue reading in a second. But you have to know something about the city of Ephesus, Okay. City of Ephesus had two great, historically, two great economic engines that sustained and powered the city. The first was that it was a harbor. But over time, especially by this time, the harbor had fallen into disuse. Some, some things like silt buildups had made it difficult to use the harbor, leaving Ephesus with only one economic engine, the Temple of Artemis. Now, this was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, okay? This is, this is world-class architecture. This is known throughout the Roman Empire. And so the city, with its, its big event, has many people begin to go through it. 
Just like Florida would shut down, in a sense, that middle part of Florida would shut down if all the theme parks suddenly left. That's what these men are worried about. They're worried about the economic engine of the city getting destroyed. Their livelihoods would be gone. The the repute of their city would be gone. So they realize the gospel is attacking them economically. It's attacking them religiously. It's attacking them civically. They have everything at stake here. So this is why this is going to occur. Verse 28. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with the confusion and they rushed together into the theater, which holds upwards of 20,000 people, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, these are influential people in the city and region, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now, some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together, which is a mob of the most dangerous kind. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk, which is the head official of the city, had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the great city of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky, which is basically a meteorite that had fallen there and they built a temple around it. Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to keep quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today. Since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And he said these things and dismissed the assembly. Now, Luke is, Luke is doing multiple things in this story. One of the, those is he's continuing to argue through the book of Acts that, that Christianity is a legal religion. So he likes to record the judgments of city officials like this who say everything's fine. But for our purposes, where we've been talking about submitting our lives to Jesus, there's an important point, and that's this, that following Jesus means smashing your idols. See, when the gospel comes to us, when it comes to our city, it requires that we smash our idols. See, you, you get a, a visible demonstration of this when the believers burn all of their magic books. That's, that's one of the things they would have to do in order to submit their lives to Jesus. They couldn't kind of keep Jesus and keep the magic thing going on the side. Jesus demands total allegiance because he offers a total salvation. 
So Luke is showing us that we cannot serve Jesus and serving an idol. And submitting to Jesus means changing your life. It means smashing the idols that were once dear to you. You cannot get the power of Jesus without submitting yourself fully and completely to Jesus. And this includes giving up your idols. And and people today don't have a lot of idols, silver and gold and wood, right? We don't see a lot of those. But we do have our idols. See, an idol is anything that you give your money and time and energy to and submit your life to. See, some people submit themselves to their careers and think that their career is what's going to bring them happiness and peace and joy. Other people submit themselves to drugs thinking that that will bring them peace and happiness And take away their pain. See, idols can be movies. They can be music. They can be relationships. They can be golf, sex, beer, control, power, authority. It can be anything that you serve in place of Jesus. And this is important for us to understand as Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, it's important for you to understand that that following Jesus is costly. Imagine if the whole city of Ephesus had turned to Jesus Christ, and we know that that many of them did. It would mean giving up this one economic engine that they had left in their city. It would mean giving up their identity as a city, in a sense. It It would cost this city a lot. It cost these believers with these magic books millions of dollars. It's costly. If you're not a Christian, you have to understand that, that following Jesus is not just saying a prayer and getting his benefits. It's it's a whole life submission to him, and it is costly. For us as believers, it is costly. It requires that we continue to smash idol after idol that stands in the way of Jesus. Just as an illustration of this, I want to share with you one of the idols that I that God has been working with me on. He's not done with, but he's been working with me on smashing. Ever since I I was younger as a teenager, I've had an idol, the way I describe it, as an idol of control, which is basically I want to run my life. Don't want God to run it. Don't want anyone to run it. Didn't want my parents to run it. Don't want my, I didn't want my employers to run it. Didn't want anybody to run it. I wanted to run my life. And, and, God had, as I grew in in holiness, had to continue to work on that. But last year was one of the most difficult times for me with this idol. Because I went to the pastor's college not really knowing where I would go after the pastor's college, which is a huge step of faith for me because I wanted things planned out. I want things planned out. I don't want to not know what's going to happen. And so I went to the pastor's college thinking that by a certain time, I would know what the next step with my life was going to be. Was I going to go back and get a secular job? Was I going to go to a different city? Would I come back to El Paso? What would happen? And so I, I began to, over the months, get a little anxious, but okay. And there was a certain date at which I was hoping to know. And that date passed. And a week passed after that. And a week after that. And a week and a month after that. And another month after that. And, and as... As this went by, my idol did not go quietly. I remember many nights 
getting home from studying, about to go to bed, and just wondering, God, what, what am I going to do? What do I have? Can you give me anything? Can you tell me anything about the future? And things beyond my control prevented me from even really being able to decide what I was going to do. Where at different times, I would try to come up with a plan. I would say, look, this is what I'm going to do. I don't, I'm not going to be able to wait to hear word back about what's going to happen. I'm just going to sign up for something. I'm going to take this next step. And at every step, God was smashing this idol where he's saying, nope, nope, you're not going to take a step. You're not going to try to control this situation. See, that idol had been the thing that I'd gone to for security, for peace, I liked feeling in control of my life. And God began to chip away at it, chip away, chip away. And it was hard, but on the other side of it, it is one of the best things that had happened to me spiritually in the last several years. Is God, in a sense, began to smash this idol, and I had to give it to him to smash. And I'm, I'm still in process on this, but, but what's changed is that where, where I once went to that idol for peace, for security, I think God's changed my path a little bit. And more often than not, I, I run to Jesus for that peace, for that security. Because, see, here's, here's the lie that your idol will tell you when you're threatening to smash it. It's this, that if you smash me, you won't be happy again. You won't have peace again. It's a lie. Because, oh, brothers and sisters, there is so much happiness and so much peace lying just behind that idol in the person of Jesus Christ. So being a Christian is costly. It requires that we follow him, not, not just to get stuff from him, but to wholly and completely submit our lives to him. Now, I've come a long way from singing worship songs while I play Risk, but I face the same struggle every day. I want the stuff that Jesus can give me without Jesus. I want the stuff that Jesus can give me while I hold my idols close. But Jesus wants all of me. And brother, sister, if, if, you're, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, this is, this is definitely, I'm seeing some areas that need to change after this. I'm seeing some areas where I maybe kept an idol or maybe I'm going after what Jesus can give me without Jesus. Remember what we started with, that the power of Jesus Christ is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That as Christ has remade your heart, recreated your life, he will give you power to overcome those sins. He will give you power to submit your life to him. And as you continue to do that, oh, oh, what, what we could do to change the world. How we could fulfill the worst dreams of Demetrius, the craftsman, and turn the world upside down. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Missionary work is a topic that fills stadiums and excites the body of Christ. Maybe you're not sure if you're called to be a missionary. 
And while you may not be called to a distant land, God has called everyone to share Jesus with those around us. And the book of Acts details powerful examples of missionary work through the disciples in the first century church. Examples of sharing Jesus in everyday life. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it's just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website, betternewsradio.com. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.